Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Silver Bullets Podcast on the Ozone Radio Network, your authority on all things Ohio State. And now, here are your hosts, WVA Buckeye and Charles at the BBC, to discuss the women's basketball team, String Team. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of uh, String Team on the Silver Bullets Podcast on the Ozone Radio Network. I'm WVA Buckeye, and with me, um, back with me this time after missing out on an awesome time with Patrick Klein is my partner in crime, Charles Kuhn. Charles, how you been? I've been good, busy, but uh, but pretty good. Good. And uh, we have uh, we are kind of knocking it out of the park here with with guests that we're bringing on, and tonight uh, he's feeling a little bit under the weather, but it's somebody that. Uh, uh, high State women's fans should be very familiar with, and, and somebody uh, other than Patrick Klein that probably really knows uh, this team better than anybody right now because um, uh, he's close to a lot of the young ladies, and uh, Marty Bannister is with us. Marty, thank you for joining us tonight. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, about a little bit of the flu right now, but we'll we'll get to it. Well, we appreciate you toughing it out, and we're sorry you've been sick, and um, we know it's going to be a good show. We're just we're just happy that you're here with us. Well, it's my pleasure. So, why don't we, um, Charles? Why don't we just jump into the the issue at hand, and we can backtrack. Um, we really haven't had a chance to talk about other things since Patrick was on, which was the day that. They started Big Ten play at Nebraska. Um, Marty, in your in your mind, and Charles, yours too. What kind of damage, if any, does the Michigan loss do to Ohio State right now? Well, I guess um, maybe I, I'll feel maybe I can feel that first. Um, I I don't know that it does a lot. I mean, the rankings came out earlier tonight, the top sixteen, and they were tenth. So I think the only thing it did was maybe knock them out of spot of maybe being nine or eight. Uh, other than that, I don't know that it did a lot to them. It was just, uh, you know, watching it from afar now, as, as I do, uh, watching the scores and seeing how things were going with the game, I was a little surprised that um, Michigan came down to Ohio State and won that game the other night. Um, but uh, it shows you the competitiveness of the Big Ten right now. And, and I don't, again, I don't know that that really did a lot to Ohio State. They can't afford too many more losses like that. 
uh, and uh, and stay in the top 16. But I, I don't I don't think that's uh, something to really be overly concerned about. No, I I agree. I think um, I mean obviously any loss is bad, and we and you hate to lose to Michigan, especially at home. But it certainly seems that uh, the selection committee is not punishing uh, them for it. I, I think 10th is quite reasonable based on their resume this season. Um, and, I, yeah, I think maybe one or two spots higher um, had they won that game. But I, I, don't, think it, I don't think they're really going to be punished for it. I think – Well, and, you and, know, yeah, and keep in mind, too, keep, keep in mind, too, um, the type of schedule that they played, the non-conference schedule – that factors a lot into this. The places they've been, the teams they've gone up against, that they get a lot of credit for that too. And that's something you you got to give. You mentioned Patrick Klein a short time ago. You have to give Coach Klein and the head coach McGuff and all the staff uh, the, all the credit to want to go out and play those games and play those people. And that's why a loss like Michigan doesn't hurt them that much in the top sixteen rankings. Right. Exactly. I you you know when you build up a non conference like that, it, it gives you a little bit of cushion uh, for which I think is crucial. Um, for that, and yeah, obviously, as you said, we can't afford a, f- a whole lot of more losses uh, like this. But I think overall, this one, as long as it stays just at one, is not really going to be a big deal. Yeah, and I, and I, I fully believe that um, Charles, you and I have spoke about this uh, gumball machine scheduling that the Big Ten does. The fact that they've had to play Michigan twice within two and a half weeks, and in Indiana within two weeks, heading into this part of the schedule that's coming, the murderer's row part of the schedule, um, gave Michigan an advantage coming to play in the shot just because they they knew some of the things they needed to adjust to, to be able to pull this off. And um, you got to give credit to Thome. She had one one heck of a game inside, and, and we've kind of seen – in, in a view now what our weakness or what the team's weakness could be, especially if Stephanie Mavonga gets into foul trouble. Uh, right. I, I completely agree. I think um, if Stephanie gets in, in foul trouble, we lose a major physical presence uh, inside. And that is a potential problem going forward and something that we definitely are going to have to keep an eye on. Well, there's no, there's no doubt. And that's a, a big key. And, uh, again, you know, kind of watching from afar now and seeing what Mavunga has done uh, has been—it's impressive to look at her numbers and see the double-double she throws up and the the point total she puts up every night. I know she's a presence inside, and uh, that certainly gives them something to fall back on. And uh, that's—I think those points are all well taken right now. But again, I think that the, the Big Ten scheduling is something you brought up a moment ago, and that's that was something that always baffled me when I was covering the games. How they how they work the schedule like that? How you would play Michigan twice in in a week? And with a game in between, I never really quite understood that. Uh, it was just uh, almost you said gumball machine type guessing, and I think that's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, we started off uh, in our first and second episode just talking about the murderers row schedule that's that's upon them now. They're you know Michigan State's coming, Iowa's coming, Penn State, um, but it as we looked at it more and then when I spoke to Patrick, he, his point was that um, because it made me ask him, is the big 10 that much better of a conference? Is it the best conference now? And he hedged on agreeing that it was, but he did say that the schedule, the way it's built, 
if if they come out of January with a couple of losses, they could be on the outside looking in as far as a, a two two seed or whatever a host in the first two rounds at home. I think the Big Ten has certainly gotten better over the years. I know uh, when I started my first year covering Ohio State women's basketball was the 0304 season, and I remember walking in and the, the league was just loaded that year. Penn State was. Uh, at their height with uh, Reney Portland, Iowa was very good. Wisconsin was coming off a pretty good run. Uh, Michigan State, Minnesota went to the Final Four. Uh, I think it was the '05 season, and so they had the league had a lot of talent. I think it took a hit uh, for about four or five years when the league, let's face it, guys, really wasn't all that good. Uh, the year that Ohio State won the Big Ten and got bounced in the first round of the tournament when they lost to Illinois. Again, I'll, I'll reference Patrick Klein. He was an assistant on the <laughs> Illinois staff at that time. And they were the, I think they were the nine seed, and they upset Ohio State. And as the Big Ten champ, regular season champ, in the NCAA tournament, the best they could do was garner a six seed. And so I think people at that time realized that the Big Ten in that, in that time frame just wasn't one of the top five conferences in the nation, but it's, it's bounced back nicely of late. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I think the Big Ten has taken major steps forward. Um, some of it has been the addition of Maryland was uh, a big plus for the league. But I think other teams have stepped up, too. Um, and the nice thing is it's new teams kind of building up. It's not Purdue and Penn State anymore, but obviously Ohio State coming up. Michigan has really built itself up. Uh, Iowa and Michigan State are still kind of around, um, and threats and Rutgers has built itself back up after their little bit of a lull they had for a couple of years. Yeah, they have, and I think I, I might have omitted Purdue. That was just a, just a slip uh, when I was talking about how good the league was when I started. Uh, yeah, Purdue was. I mean, they've always been a factor. They always seem to find a way. I mean, heck, just ask Ohio State in last year's Big Ten tournament. They always seem to find a way to jump up and get somebody when you least expect it out of Purdue. And when I was covering the games, we always used to joke with Tim Newton, who's the radio play-by-play guy for the Purdue Boilermakers. We always used to joke, jokingly refer to the Big Ten tournament as the Purdue Invitational because they played it. It's in Indianapolis. It's 40 minutes from West Lafayette, and they always seem to be playing for the championship or making the semifinals. So, yeah, Purdue, no question. Purdue is one that you have to always keep in mind. You always have to mention when you start thinking about where this league is at. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. They they have some sort of weird magic to do better than they should. And, yeah, I remember all those frustrations with the Purdue Invitational at the Big Ten Tournament, um, going to those games back when I was an undergrad and in the uh, band for the basketball team there. And we we were not fans of Purdue. <laughs> yeah, not, not very many times. And that's – and it's – I hate talking about them because they're that, that team in a conference in all sports that has – you know, you talk about the big Ohio State rivalries, teams that you really hate to see coming, and Purdue's always that team that that makes me think about a team I hate to see coming when you're not expecting that type of a ball game, and they've proven that to be true in football, men's basketball, women's basketball. The men's basketball team is on a major collision course with, with Purdue coming up later in the season, and it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Um, the thing that you mentioned, Marty, that's that's always been interesting to me about your start up there in 03 and 04, um, and one of the reasons why I, I loved you as the, as the play-by-play guy is you do a lot of homework on these teams, don't you? Yeah, it's, that's, that's something I've always uh, – a couple of the guys that I always refer back to as 
I guess, lack of a better term, mentors in this business. Uh, one is Tom Hamilton, who um, a lot of fel- folks that recognize that name of the Cleveland Indians uh, play-by-play announcer. A lot of people forget Tom actually worked in Columbus in radio at WBNS for about four years. And Tom and I got to be really good friends. And I learned a lot from Tom about preparation and, and how to be ready to broadcast a game. And another individual I learned a lot from was a gentleman by the name of Gary Hahn, who back in the middle 80s, when WBNS first gained the Ohio State football broadcast rights, Gary was hired as the play-by-play announcer. He now calls North Carolina State games. Right. But Gary had worked uh, at NBC in New York. In fact, he worked with David Letterman and with uh, Don Imus. He was just a, a tremendous guy, and he taught me a lot about preparation. And it's I don't know of a broadcaster in our business. Tom told me once, if something happens on the field with the team you're covering or on the court – uh, basketball. He said, if that happens and you're not ready for it and it surprises you, then you haven't done your homework. And that's the kind of the mindset I've always taken to that. Yeah, I went way, way back with Gary Hahn because I still remember the year that Terry Smith replaced him as the play-by-play guy. And it was kind of that transition from Terry to to Paul and in, in thinking there's no way this guy's gonna going to do things the way that, that that guy did things on radio and um, I still miss Terry, Terry to this day, and I know he's still he's still working radio and Westwood One stuff. So I, I try to listen to him whenever I can. I think he's uh, is he at Louisville? No, T- Terry's in Terry's in Los Angeles. He's the play by play voice of the uh, whatever they are, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or the California Los Angeles okay. Anaheim Angels, however they refer to that team. Uh, he, he's been out there since 2002 as their uh-huh. main play by play voice. All right. Well, glad to glad to hear that he's uh, he's got a good job. <laughs> I, I, oh, absolutely. Well, his it's funny. His first year out there, they go to the World Series and win it. So that's, that's, that's not true. not a bad deal. That's not a bad deal. No, definitely not. So I, I so I think at this point, um, you know. So we, we we have the loss of you know to Michigan, but now it's I, I think this is definitely a time in the schedule where they where they really have to put that that past them because it doesn't get any easier. We have Maryland, uh, we have a trip to Maryland coming up uh, this weekend, and or well, sorry Monday, um, and that is going to be an interesting game with now with the uh, injuries to Maryland uh, this season. Well, that's when you referenced the schedule a short time ago. That was the thing that uh, one of the things I really liked about Kevin McGuff. And I, th- I thought, obviously, I thought Jim Foster did uh, a great job with Ohio State. But uh, Jim, I, I just, I, I, Jim, I, if there was a knock against Jim, it was that lack of playing that, that kind of non conference schedule. So when you got to the Big Ten tournament, then you got to the NCAA. The thing about Kevin's teams, they've seen everything. I mean, think about it, the type of teams that they've played, the type of opponents that they've played, they have pretty much seen everything. So wherever they, when they walk into an arena, there's no, uh, you know, they don't walk in there with like deer in the headlight look, they're ready to play. And that's one of the things uh, that I think his type of scheduling has really, really helped this team. So when they walk into Maryland on Monday, that's a very, very difficult place to play. And it's interesting to note, they've lost, they've lost, what, three Big Ten games going into the season. Maryland, since joining the league, and all three of them have been to Ohio State. Right. So I know Michigan State got them a couple of weeks back, and I don't know if they've lost since then or not. But uh, uh, no, that they just shows you. I gotta, well, but again, that just shows you 
uh, I think Kevin's uh, scheduling mentality uh, really prepares you for any type of environment. Oh, I, I, I completely agree. And I, and I agree. I, I loved what Foster did because um, I remember my first year at Ohio State was um, was um, uh, Beth Burns uh, last year uh, there and where that program was and then just what happened immediately when Foster came in. Absolutely loved it. But I, I do agree that yeah, the non-conference schedule was never really impressive. And I think that, yeah, really hurt come March. No, it, it, I don't think there's any question about that. They walked into some environments. I know the year they went over to Pittsburgh and lost to Mississippi State in the second round game uh, over at Pitt. Uh, it was it was sad in some respects. Obviously, that was a very good Ohio State team. I think that was Samantha Perhalis's junior year and would have been Jantel Lavender's senior year. Yeah. That team, I mean, they were I mean, listen, they were loaded with talent but they weren't ready for what Mississippi State came out and did to them that night. I mean, Mississippi State, you use this term a lot when you broadcast football, and this is what they did to Ohio State that night. They walked out and punched Ohio State right in the, right in the nose, and they were not ready for any of that. And that game was over almost before it started. So, again, I think that's where that lack of playing people like that really came back to, to bite some of Jim's teams. And, and, and I'll say this, too. Jim's teams – extremely talented of oh, that, that team in the year before that they had gone out to, uh, it was, I think it was, it was Samantha's freshman year when they lost to Stanford in the, uh, in the sweet 16, that was a team fully capable, fully capable of winning the whole shooting match that year. But again, just could not ha- just did not have the metal toughness <clears throat> and the, the toughness needed to, to get over that hump. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, and, and I remember that was the most frustrating thing about those teams is there was so much potential and so much talent there. And, yeah, so, but they just didn't have that mental toughness and that familiarity with teams like that to, you know, to really live up to that talent. No, that's exactly right. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to make this a – you know, trying to, to, to make this a bash fest on Jim Foster because it's not, because uh, Jim be- became a good friend over the years. And, uh, I, I mean, you can't argue his run of success in Columbus with Big Ten championships. I mean, they what, they won three tournaments in a row. I mean, you can't argue yeah. that at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the lack of that ability to get past, and I don't know what it is. You look at Jim's coaching career, and that's something that's haunted him all the way through his career. Uh, he got his Vanderbilt, one of his Vanderbilt teams went to the final four. I think that was the same year that Ohio state went Katie Smith's freshman year when they got to the final four. But other than that, it's just been, he hasn't been able to get over that hump. And I don't, I don't know what the reasoning is. Maybe the scheduling has something to do with it. I don't know. I, yeah. I would certainly believe the scheduling has something to do with it. Um, and I think we see that with a number of teams that schedule really hard for the non-conference. They take their lumps uh, because of that, but then they're well-prepared for that. The, the team I always point to for that is uh, Michigan State men and what Tom Izzo does with scheduling. I mean, his non-conference schedules are always ridiculous. They lose some They lose some games normally as a result of it, but come March, we always see what they do. Yeah. Yeah, and the interesting thing about Jim Foster and, and something that I've always believed, um, you know, that stretch you're talking about, Marty, they were um, – to this day, and it may never get broken, had more uh, conference MVPs, uh, more first-team all-conference players than any other stretch in Ohio State history. And 
but they were primarily a one-dimensional type team. It was it was almost always going to be between the guard and Jantel, Lavender. But when you face those other teams where they could spread them out and not have to double down on Jantel, that's that's where they ran into problems, especially with Stanford. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the same year that Stanford uh, won the controversial um, in the in the Pac-12, the controversial tip tip basket at the buzzer uh, just to win the conference. They had they had lightning in a bottle that year, and and they definitely took it to to Ohio State in the tournament. Well, and, and I think Jim's teams were very well balanced. Uh, a number the the team. Uh, the team that lost to Stanford that year, I thought was maybe his might have been his best team at Ohio State uh, because you had Lavender, you had, you had Brittany Johnson, you had Prahalis. I mean, you just had uh, uh, you know, Taylor Hill. I mean, you had just all kinds of talent coming out there, and uh, it just I, I don't know. I know it was frustrating to, to all of them. I mean, I, you know, I got to know the, all the coaches very very well. And I recall standing outside of the arena in Berkeley that day after that game ended and just the looks on everybody's faces because they, if memory serves me correctly, Ohio state led at the half of that game. And then the second half, it just, Stanford just came right out. And again, uh, you know, they just jumped right on Ohio state and never really let them breathe. And you know, we're standing out outside the arena after the game and just the look of distraught on everybody's faces. Uh, that's something I've, I've remembered. For, I, I have, I've remembered for a long time. Yeah, I, I can definitely believe it. I, I I didn't get to go to that game, unfortunately, but I remember, yeah, the frustration of just watching it on TV and kind of thinking how that slipped away. So obviously the scheduling has changed and stuff since then, but what else would you say about the program that you kind of sense has really changed? Well, the recruiting's changed, uh, head and shoulders. Uh, oh, and again, yeah. I, I don't want to take this towards Jim again, but, I mean, let's face it, the last few years – they weren't getting the caliber of players that they have now. And I don't know, again, where that, where that fell off or how it fell off. It just, it did. And whether the proper effort wasn't being made or I don't, I don't think that's the case at all because I know the coaches on those staffs and they work just as hard as anybody to get kids to come here. But just for whatever reason, they weren't able to do it. In fact, the year that Jim was let go, they had signed no one and right. you just, you just shake your head and think, well, this is, that's Ohio state. How can they not sign anyone for the coming season? And knowing that you're losing uh, a team again, that wasn't exceptionally talented to begin with um, how, how they can, how that can happen. And that was more than anything. That was one of the biggest reasons that they decided to make a change. And Kevin McGuff came in right away and, uh, Change the entire mentality of the scheduling. Change the entire mentality of the recruiting. I mean, let's face it, guys. Uh, if no change is made, I seriously doubt Kelsey Mitchell's wearing scarlet and gray. Oh, uh, I completely agree. I think, yeah, I, I that was. I think that was a huge get, and I think some of that probably goes to you know McGuff's energy uh, towards. I think that's something maybe that younger coaches have that they have more energy still and enthusiasm to get out there on that recruiting trail. Well, that's that's a, a good point, and I think there is something to that. But again, uh, let's 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 dial it another direction. Gino or Emma, he and Jim Foster are about roughly the same age, and I know Connecticut's got a little bit more of a resume to kind of to look at. But 
I, you know, I, I don't know that that's, I think that's, that is a factor and it's not a factor all at the same time. No, and I would agree though. I would say Connecticut can probably recruit themselves at this point. Well, no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they just have <laughs> to show up and say we're Connecticut and that right away is, Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand who you are And Ohio state. Uh, during a lot of that stretch, they were having to really sell themselves, which again, was the thing that I think baffled a lot of people about the program and the stature that it had for a while. Is why are we having to? Why ha, why are we having to sell ourselves? I mean, we're Ohio State. We should be able to get these kids at least get them to come visit. Now, they had a stretch going where they weren't getting kids even to visit. So it it, it was something that I think uh, Jim, like I said, Jim's a, a tremendous guy and he's doing great things at Chattanooga now, head coach down there. But I think the change was needed and came at the right time. Do you? Knowing what uh, what Coach McGuff was able to bring in in the early signing period, and he's still got a couple of um, top players, um, number one in the country, actually. They're, they're kind of on the hook, still working hard on him to try to get them uh, the next go-around for next season. Is, is he just about to where Ohio State can recruit just by the name, or is he going to have to – go very deep in the NCAAs and, and win it all to, to make that happen? Well, I don't know that – I mean, outside of a couple of programs, uh, Connecticut being one of them, uh, where you simply have to show up. I mean, every program has to really battle hard because you're all battling that behemoth, so to speak, in, in UConn. And uh, I, I know Kevin and his staff uh, – I still stay in contact with Kevin. We still talk occasionally. They are working their rear ends off every week and whenever the recruiting periods allow to get the top talent into Ohio State. And they knew when they got the class that they have now, it was designed, although not publicly spoken, but it was designed to be ready this year to make a run at the Final Four at Nationwide Arena. I mean, how much fun will that be for everybody if they happen to do okay. that? And I think it's to play in the final four at Nationwide Arena. But that's what this class was designed to do, was to make that run and be ready right now to make that strong uh, attempt at getting to Nationwide Arena. But make no mistake about it, guys. They're beating the bushes just as hard as anybody else. And uh, I don't know how, how intently you follow the recruiting, but the, the top player in the state and the must-get is, is Kirsten Bell at Camp McKinley. And that's the one that everybody's after. And they've you know, people have referred to her as kind of a Magic Johnson-type player, I'm probably dating myself a little bit there uh, with, that, <laughs> with that reference, but uh, that's the that's the get in Ohio now, and they're I know intently trying to uh, convince her to come to Columbus. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I I definitely expected that and believed that they were out there re- recruiting hard, and their success uh, with recruiting I think speaks to that. Um, and I kind of had that had wondered about that about that just that. Big recruiting class, McGuff's uh, first year, and then how it lined up with the Nationwide Arena. So it's kind of nice to hear that confirmation that, yeah, that was in their thought process the whole time. Well, they didn't want to come right out and say that, though, because that that just puts extra added pressure on a group of 18-year-old girls. You know, you right, want to come yeah. in, well, this is the group that's going to get us to, you don't want to say that, but that was kind of the the goal, the mindset was, we get these kids in here by the time they're seniors, we know what's coming to Nationwide Arena. We should be ready to make a, 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 a serious, serious run at it. And they obviously are. Right, I agree. And I think I, I think if they pull that off, as you said, that'll be so much fun. And I think it really can be 
one of those game changers for the program, both from the player standpoint and from the fan support uh, stand, uh, standpoint. Um, oh, I think there's, there's no, yeah, seen, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we've all seen over the years the fans have kind of you know ebbed and ebbed and flowed. They you know when we first started um, rising up and uh, finally won the Big Ten again under Foster, we saw the big um, surge in crowd support then. But it seems to have kind of drifted down uh, since then. I think a Final Four in Columbus could just it's a game changer there. It is. And the style that they play is certainly much different than what it was prior. And that's, that's a fan. Fans like that. Fans like to see that style of play. Like to see that up and down the court. Uh, you know, let's get as many shots airborne as we can. That, that type of mentality. And that's, that's fan friendly, if you will. But I mean, you also have to do the other things as well too, to, to, to win games. And uh, defensively they've, they struggled at times. I know um, the last couple of years on that end of the floor. And if they can, if they can get that area tuned up, I think they're as dangerous as anybody getting to, getting back to Columbus in March. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think the the interesting part about what you just said is, and Charles and I have talked about this every time we've been on the air, is is the the team needed to improve drastically in the rebound department we we both believe that they have done that to this point and and even though i think defense backfired on them against michigan the other night i think their defense has been as sound as any defense in the country and patrick told us that their goal is 65 uh, hold teams to 65 a game and that's probably something new that's on on their board this season well, and that's that's uh, I mean, you have to have those type of you have to have that type of mentality every time out. And the rebounding and the defense are obviously big areas. But one thing that one thing that I noticed a lot uh, in the years when I in the first couple of years I called the games under Kevin was uh, it always seemed to me that whenever they started to really hoist threes, that's when everything else kind of started to get out of sync a little bit. Uh, I mean, you shoot what they shoot thirty threes against Michigan the other night. Um, yeah, I think somebody told yeah. me that. And, and that's that's a hard number. I mean, you don't want. I don't think you want to be shooting that many threes. Um, I mean, I, personally, I would be happy with fifteen to twenty, but thirty is a lot, and that just gets you out of everything else because your rhythm is gone. Leads to a lot of long rebounds, a lot of breakouts for the opponent, and that, that's a that's a hard part of that. Shooting that, that many threes. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, and I kind of, totally agree. You know, I've noticed that over the years too. Um, that we we have some great three point shooters, and I think that they're obviously competitors who want to shoot their their way out of out of trouble there. But yeah, it, it leads to a breakdown of the offense and trying to do it all at once as opposed to playing your game. So that that being said, talking about the the efforts of them trying to to improve that. Um, they, they put themselves in a little bit of a hole and let momentum get away from them late in that game. And some of the threes came at that point At that point in the game. But I watched the game, and I felt like you felt, Marty. I felt like they were – that's what they were going to – they felt they needed to do to beat Michigan the other night. And I was, I was kind of surprised by, by it because they, they – have Kelsey obviously, but the rest of the team has been, you know, go to the basket, um, get mm-hmm. it into Stephanie, do whatever. Yeah, I, I did. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see the game. Uh, what was that Tuesday night? I was, 
I was calling another game on Tuesday for ESPN, so I didn't get a chance to see that. But uh, talking to, in fact, I was talking to Tony Resch, um, who still calls the games, and we were talking about it afterwards. And she was telling me that, yeah, they just shot too many threes; they got them out of rhythm, and that's that's what happens in those situations. Yeah. Right, and- so. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Charles. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was just uh, having said that, Marty. I wanted to give our listeners a little uh, little bio on you, how things are, uh, what you're doing now. Um, you just mentioned calling games on ESPN, and uh, give us a give us an update on how things are going in your life now. Well, uh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was doing a lot of work uh, on that end of things with uh, ESPN and ESPN three a lot of spectrum sports locally here, a lot of high school basketball. Um, part of a, a interactive entertainment network called EBSN. We host a live podcast uh, all throughout the week. And I'm on every Monday with uh, former Ohio State quarterback Greg Fry. We host an hour show. And that's going really well. We have some exciting things coming up with EBSN as we get down the line here. We're going to continue to expand our programming. And it's uh, it's something that I really never gave it much thought until I got into it, but it's getting some serious legs now, and it's fun to be around. And I still do a lot of work for the Ohio High School Athletic Association, uh, state championship games, boys and girls, uh, uh, basketball, football, baseball. Staying busy, staying busy. Good, good. Yeah, I uh, I like uh, your poll tweets that you do for EBSN um, and have answered answered many of them. Um, you, you've been, uh, you know, you've been a joy over the years, I've, I'm one of the uh, thousands of people that have been missing you. Um, I don't, uh, not mention any names, but I'm not, I uh, still haven't bought into the replacement and probably won't. You just get used to um, your style and um, how you treated the players and how you talk to them, um, you know, is, is unique in, in the industry. And um, uh, thank you for the update. And I, I definitely appreciate uh, appreciate you being here. Well, I, I certainly thank you for the kind words, and I'll say this: the uh, uh, the 13 years uh, calling uh, Ohio State women's basketball that was uh, uh, as when I when I go back when I decide to hang up the, the headphones one of these days, uh, that will be probably in the top two uh, of what I did in my career. Uh, all those years doing that, it was such a good time, and you make so many friendships and so many friends, and it was it was a load of fun. And obviously it didn't end the way I wanted it to, but that's, that's life and you, you move on. But it, it was a lot of fun. I thank you for the kind words. You are, you are very welcome. Um, before we cut you loose, um, how about some final thoughts on what, what you think the next, uh, what the Buckeyes need to do the next couple of weeks and in, in the murderers road part of the schedule and, and to take care of things and be in nationwide arena come, come March. Well, it, it probably centers on some of the things we, we just talked about, uh, what they need to do, to the areas they need to shore up. And I think sometimes you get into seasons and they and they start to – there's always a, a lull in what you're doing where uh, school kind of, schoolwork kind of interferes and it kind of just – everything just kind of starts to cascade upon. Uh, you're on the road a lot. And it's funny. I, I remember back to – back during the football season – uh, when Urban Meyer was complaining about having to play a Saturday night road game and then get back into Columbus at three in the morning. And I, I just laughed at that because they travel with a basketball team. <laughs> Women's basketball team, like on Monday, I mean, they're, they're going to get back from Maryland at about, you know, one or two in the morning and they're going to be at class the next day. 
I mean, it, I just never <laughs> understood that mentality. And uh, but I'm kind of di- diving off topic here, but uh, things no, like that. No, just, you're good. Just understand what you have to do and, and, and be ready each and every week. And, and Kevin and Patrick and uh, his staff, uh, they, they do a tremendous job. Uh, Mark Mitchell, uh, Coach Banks, they, they all do a tremendous job of, of, of keeping everybody focused and understanding the road ahead of them. And it's not uh, – I mean, I, I guarantee you, when they were playing Michigan, there was no thought of what's ahead. It was Michigan. Now that you know, now they worry about Maryland. Then they'll worry about whatever else is ahead in that uh, what you refer to as a murderer's row part of their schedule. So, but it's just dealing with all that. And sometimes you hit those parts of a season where things just kind of, kind of, you almost get mentally tired, so to speak. Yeah. So, uh, but you can see the end. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that. It's time to focus with the Big Ten tournament coming, and uh, I, I, I think they'll be. They show up those areas, rebounding, and, and get the defense where they want it to be. They're a very, very dangerous out. Very dangerous. I completely agree with that. I, I think um, to one of your points, I really believe right now that what Kevin McGuff has together as a staff in Columbus is one of the best in the country, and very few. You know, everybody works hard, but very few are working as hard as that group is to bring things together. And and I know that this team, you know, may couple may have a couple more uh, speed bumps down the road, but they will be better for it. And that staff will make sure of that. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree wholeheartedly. It's a it's a very good coaching staff. Uh, it's as good as any in the Big Ten, and it may be the best in the Big Ten. And they uh, they all have, they all know their roles, and they, and they do a great job of getting the job done every week. Charles, do you have anything else um, for Marty? No, I, I think I kind of agree that, yeah, the defense and rebounding, we can shore that up. I, I We've shown that we can score with anyone. Um, the key now really is, yeah, to get that defense, get that rebounding uh, shored up. But the, and then, as um, as Marty said, being careful not to get to that, just starting to hoist up too many threes, stay in rhythm. I think they know what they need to do. They just need to really focus on doing that. Yeah. And, and I, I will add one other thing. I will add one other thing real quick. Um, your seniors, this is also the time of year when they start to realize, too, what's ahead for them. Um, Kelsey, Mavunga, uh, Alexa Hart, Asia Doss, who was always one of my favorites uh, in covering the team. I, I just loved Asia, just her attitude and her – or work ethic on the floor, but they're at that stretch now where they realize, oh, this is the last time we go to Maryland. This is the last time mm-hmm. we go to Minnesota. Uh, this is our last Big Ten tournament coming up, and you don't want to walk out of that feeling, you know, that, that woulda, shoulda, coulda type mentality. And I, I think right. this senior class has that kind of focus, understanding that, okay, we've got we've got some work ahead of us, but we, we don't want to let something slide away that's right there in front of us. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think. That's where having so many seniors really becomes a big strength. Uh, you know, heading into this time of year, when that I don't want this to be over attitude starts to take over. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, they just they they have the they have the makeup to be one of those teams that, uh, depending on how the seeding falls out, <clears throat> other teams in the tournament aren't going to want to see them. Coming because you don't have to play perfectly now. You just have to perfectly prepare now to be to be better when it matters later. And and I think we'll see this team turn it up a notch come the 
come the Big Ten tournament and then then the NCAA's. Well, I know this. I know this much. I'm a. Uh, I'm, I'm rooting hard for them. I hope they. I hope they're able to make it. That'd, that'd be great for them, the program, Coach McGuff, and, and for Ohio State. Absolutely. Well, Marty, once again, thank you very much for uh, joining uh, myself and uh, Charles tonight on the Strength Tang uh, Silver Bullets podcast. Uh, wish you the best of luck with everything that you've got going on, and and uh, if the ladies make it to the Big Ten and we can get together again down the road, we'd love to have you back. Call anytime. Love to do it, guys. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, this has been a special episode with uh, Marty Bannister for Strength Ting on the Silver Bullets podcast of the Ozone Radio Network. Until next time, so long, everybody.